Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast, Fight Talk with Alm. This is the fourth episode. This week, we'll talk about the upcoming heavyweight fight between Stepe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. Uh, we'll talk about the fights that happened this past weekend, a UFC card and a Bellator card, and talk about some of their future opponents or who I think they should fight next. Uh, then we'll talk about some cool news that happened in MMA today, or this week, I should say. And future fights that might happen in the next couple months. So, let's just go right into it. So, last weekend, we'll start with the UFC uh, card that happened last weekend. So, the main event was Derek Lewis and Alexi Olenek. Fight went kind of how I expected. The finish happened a little quicker than I predicted. I, I said that Derek Lewis would win by third round knockout, but he won by second round knockout very, very early on. So, the way this fight went, uh, Derek was being super aggressive. At Alexi right away, trying to get that knockout because uh, Alexi is not a good striker and he's been prone to getting knocked out early on, like Walt Harris knocked him out in like 15 seconds. So I think that's what Derek was trying to go for, which I expected. But it left him open to get taken down by Olenek. But in a way, Derek was kind of welcoming the grappling for some reason. I don't know why. And in some positions, he was getting pretty close to tapping out. Uh, he had... Alexi had a scarf hold around him, which is kind of like a headlock, and Alexi has a really good squeeze, but Derek is just such a big dude, and he has like big he a big head and shoulders, so it was hard for Alexi to get a good grip on it, and to get a good squeeze to finish Derek, so he exerted a lot, a lot of his energy there, but he probably won that first round because he was controlling the ground aspect of the fight, but in that second round, uh, Derek did the same thing as he did early on in the first round, but this time it worked to his advantage. He landed a good knee. It wasn't a fully landed knee, but it backed up Olenek, and then he landed a really good right hand and just kept putting on the pressure and just kept hitting Olenek until he wasn't defending himself, and that's when Herb Dean had to st stop the fight. Um, yeah, I don't know why Lewis was being like welcoming with the ground game there was definitely a chance he could have gotten submitted but at the same time he didn't look that bad on the ground against someone that's as good as Olenek so that's definitely a feather on his cap and since Lewis is like I think fourth ranked and Olenek was 10th ranked I think for Derek Lewis he should he should get a guy that's uh, ranked a little higher like it's all about timing so if Derek Lewis wants to come back in a little, in like really quick, he could fight someone like Curtis Blades, or mm, maybe a rematch against Francis. But Francis kind of has the next title shot lined up, so I don't know if Francis would want to fight him again. I mean, he could probably, he would probably beat him, but it, it'd be interesting to see who Derek is gonna fight next. Um, Curtis Blades probably, maybe the winner of uh, Junior Dos Santos and. Jarzinho, especially Junior because they already fought and Junior got the best of him with a second round knockout. And Jar Jarzinho would be kind of cool too because they're both similar fighters, good strikers, so it would be a good uh, heavyweight fight to see who is better in that fight. But a lot of options for Derek, you know, he, he could fight someone like Curtis or Francis if they're about it, or he could fight the winner of Junior and Jarzinho, and maybe even the loser, whatever he wants to do. If he wants to chase, chase a title, I probably push for those Francis and Curtis fights, even though they're going to be a little harder to win. But if he wants to be someone like a Cowboy Cerrone and just take fights every couple months, 
Uh, he could fight someone like Junior or even like lower rank guys. Whatever he wants to do. But uh, it was nice to see him come back on the winning circle. And he, was, he looked pretty good. Alright, so the co-main event for that card was Chris Weidman and Omari Akhmadev. Uh, I thought Omari would be a little better at defending the takedowns and beat him with striking. And it did seem like in the second round he was uh, winning the fight. He lost the first round because of Wyden's wrestling and pressure or whatever. But in the second round, he used he did what he needed to do. Like he uh, didn't let Chris take him down, and he won the striking exchanges. Because Chris is kind of a sloppy striker, so that's why I thought that he would win the fight. But in the third round, I don't know if he was tired or something, but Chris just uh, got him on the ground, controlled him, mounted him, and probably had a 10-8 round in that fight. Um, Chris said he wasn't too happy about that performance because Omari, even though he beat Omari, it's not like the best, f like, like he should probably be beat him if he wants to be one of the best 185ers in the world. And he probably should have beaten him a little cleaner. Uh, but a win's a win. And I guess he's bummed out about the fight, but he didn't fight it that terribly. Like it was, it was a run-of-the-mill Weidman win. Good wrestling pressure but I, I just his striking is just very very sloppy but uh he did win the fight so he's back on the winning column and a guy by the name of Luke Rockhold called him out kind of interesting that after Chris wins Luke is out of retirement and I would be kind of excited to watch this fight I was going to talk about Luke Rockhold coming back later on in the show, but I guess I can cover it now, kind of, because it goes with this card. Um, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a good fight because both guys are kind of in a similar place in their career. When they fought, Weidman was undefeated. He was the champion, and Luke was a guy from Strike Force that lost his first fight, but then won his next four or five, and they fought on the same card as the Aldo McGregor fight. They were the co-main, and it was a pretty back-and-forth fight until Chris Lemon fucked up and threw a spinning kick which led Luke Rockhold to uh, take him down and uh, mount him and just barrage him with elbows and strikes to end the third round and then he did a more similar thing in the fourth round to finish him and they were supposed to fight at UFC 199 for a rematch but Weidman got injured and then famously Michael Bisbing stepped in on two weeks notice and knocked out Luke Rockhold. So they never really got their rematch back. But both guys are in a similar place in their career. They've been knocked out a couple times. Uh, they're not really contending for belts anytime soon. So it would be cool to see who would win that rematch. And it would be a really good fight. They're both pretty evenly matched and it's always a good fight if they fight. So I would... I Luke Rockhold's always been one of my favorite fighters to watch, so it would be cool to see him come back and fight someone like Chris Weidman. It'd be like a good nostalgia fight for me to watch. But that's all I got for this card. Um, there's also a Bellator fight that happened this past weekend on Friday, and many of you might not know Michael Chandler, but you might know him pretty soon here because there's a good chance that he's going to the UFC. He knocked out Benson Henderson in the first round, uh, controlled most of the fight, which was like two minutes, 
and Benson Henderson doesn't really get knocked out that much. He's got a pretty good chin, but he does have a lot of miles on him, and Michael just caught him with a good right hand, and it, it seemed like it wasn't a crazy punch, but Benson went down, and uh, Michael just ground and pound him a little bit, and then the fight was over. And the thing with Michael Chandler is he was supposed to, like, he was going to go to the UFC two years ago, but then I think Bellator gave him a better deal, so he stayed there. And he's one of the best uh, fighters in Bellator. It's like him, Douglas Lima, Ryan Bader, Patricio Pitbull, guys like that. And the thing with me is, like, I know these Bellator guys are good. I know Ryan Bader's good, obviously, because he fought in the UFC. And, like, I know Douglas Lima and Michael Chandler are good fighters. But there's a difference between being good in, the Bell in Bellator and being good in the UFC. And I feel like their legacies are being, uh, like, lowered because they're not fighting in the UFC at all. Like, yeah, Douglas Lima's beaten Michael Venom Page. He's beaten Rory McDonald. And really good fighters like Paul Daly and Andre Korshkov. But there's just something about fighting in the UFC and being competitive and fighting for championships that really cements your legacy. Like, not a lot of people know who Douglas Lima is or Michael Chandler because they're fighting in Bellator. And they could be, they're probably making more money, I don't know, or the same amount of money and fighting lesser fighters. But if, I feel like if you're a competitor, an ultra competitor, and a, like, you want to be the best in the world, you gotta fight in the UFC. Like, yeah, you're knocking out Benson Henderson and you're fighting Patricky Pitbull, but how would you do against Habib, you know? Do you like being on your back? Do you like having a Dagestani on you chain wrestling? Like, how are you going to react to that? How are you going to react to Tony Ferguson, who will not get knocked out, who just keeps coming with you, coming to you and gets better as the fight goes on? How are you going to fight against someone like Justin Gaethje, who is a good example of someone that fought in a lesser league and then came to the UFC and became a better fighter? He fought in the World Series of Fighting uh, before it was the PFL. Uh, so when the World Series of Fighting stopped being a company, Justin Gaethje went to the went to the UFC. Uh, he won his first fight against Michael Johnson, and then he lost two fights in a row, and then he came back and he became a better fighter. But if he just stayed in the in WF in uh, the World Series of Fighting, and then went to Bellator and beat all these guys, we would not ever know how good Justin Gaethje really was because he didn't fight the best competition in the world. And now he's fighting Habib in a couple months. You know, that could have been Michael Chandler. Douglas Lima could be fighting Usman, and it might be a good fight, but we will never know. And a, another good example of this is a guy named Will Brooks. I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia real quick. And this is a good uh, example because it correlates with uh, Michael Chandler. Will Brooks fought in Bellator a couple of years ago. Uh, let's see exactly, like five years ago. And he beat a guy by the name of Michael Chandler, not once, but twice. And this guy was 18-1, or 17-1 going into the UFC. They gave him Ross Pearson right away. Not an easy fight. Won by decision. He won by decision. Then he fought Alex Oliveira. Got knocked out. Charles Oliveira. Got knocked out. Or got submitted. Nick Lentz. Submission. And he's out of the UFC. Like, this guy was beating top-notch guys in Bellator, including Michael Chandler, and he couldn't beat Mike Lent Nick Lentz, Char like Charles Oliveira, who was a beast, obviously. Like, these guys are UFC fighters 
that would be doing good in Bellator would be champions in Bellator. But you never know how good someone is until they're in the big leagues, you know. Um, I would like to, to see Michael Chandler in the UFC. And I think it would be a disservice to guys like him, Patricio, and Douglas Lima if they never fought in the UFC. It'd be kind of like Fedor or like Mirko Krokop in his prime. You just never know. All right, but that's enough about that. Okay, now to the big fight this weekend. So, I'll give my predictions. I'll give three predictions. Uh, so the first fight I'll talk about is Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I think I said that right. Uh, then I'll talk about the co-main event, Marlon Vera versus Sean O'Malley. And, of course, I'll predict the main event between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. So, let's get started. So, with the junior Dos Santos and Jarzinho fight, um, this one's a little tough for me because it could go two ways. Uh, Jarzinho could pass the eye test and be the guy that we all think he's going to be, which is a dominant knockout puncher. And he could go in there and just start Junior. And we can all be like, okay, this guy's a beast. This guy's like Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou, light, you know? Or we could see Jarzinho, who just got knocked out two months ago by Francis Ngannou, come in there a little skittish, a little passive. And J Junior Dos Santos' experience will overcome him. And he'll stay at a distance. And he'll outstrike him and maybe try to grapple him and win by decision. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick the second one. I think Junior, with his experience, uh, will be able to be smart enough to win this fight. Uh, he just got... He, lo he lost his last two fights, but they were against top-notch talents like Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou. I mean, though you can't get mad when someone loses to those two guys. Those two guys were like the next level of, or the new breed of heavyweights in this division. So, Junior's been fighting for a while, and he kind of knows what to do. He's, he's beating these guys like Ty Tuivasa, Blago Ivanov, Ben Rothwell, uh, Derek Lewis. He beat Derek Lewis. And I know Junior gets knocked out quite a bit, and his chin is not very good, but I feel like he'll be smart enough to get away from Jarzinho and keep the fight at a distance, use leg kicks, and try to grapple because he does have a, gr a good grappling advantage against Jarzinho, and I've never seen Jarzinho on the ground. I've also never seen Jarzinho fight someone really good and do well. Like, he was, he, f he beat Overeem, and that is impressive, of course, but he was losing that fight, and he was getting taken down repeatedly in that fight, until the last second of the fight, literally, and then he knocked out Overeem. But people didn't, s people don't remember the first 24 minutes of that fight, and it was Overeem by a mile beating him. And I just feel like a similar thing will happen here. I think Junior's gonna keep the pressure, use leg kicks, be smart though, not just jump in there, because he does leave himself open for knockouts a lot. And if you leave yourself open for a punch by Jarzinho, you're gonna get knocked out. So I feel like Junior would be smart. Keep the fight at keep the fight at a distance. Use leg kicks. Use the jujitsu that he has, and just be a, a better MMA fighter than Jarzinho. So I got Junior Dos Santos by decision. He's also an underdog, so if you're betting, uh, not a bad bet to look at. It's always tough with heavyweights and betting because anything can happen, but not a bad bet to take.
And the next one is Marlon Vera versus Sean O'Malley. So Sean O'Malley is one of the hottest prospects, if not the hottest prospect, in MMA. And he's fi facing his r first real test in Marlon Vera. Uh, Marlon Vera is no, no slouch. He's no easy guy to uh, step over. And I hope O'Malley knows that. I hope he's not coming in overconfident. Because although O'Malley is a good fighter, he's got good movement, good striking, good knockout power. He's beaten Eddie Wyland, Andre Sukumtov, um, and some other dude I don't really know. He hasn't been the best competition, and I haven't really seen him uh, face adversity. Like, he f he faced it in Andre Sukumtov, but that was more Andre being a dumb fighter. Because he, he broke O'Malley's leg, and then he kept wrestling him, where if he just stood up, he would have won the fight. So that's just Andre being a dumb fighter. Um, but nonetheless, I do respect O'Malley, and I do think he's going to be a solid fighter, but I just, I just believe that he's not going to go in there and starch Marlon Vera. I think Marlon Vera, he's never been knocked out. He's smart enough to know that that's a possibility. I think what Marlon Vera needs to do is not be hesitant in the first round and look for grappling exchanges right away. I think he should try to clinch up with O'Malley, take him to the d ground, and just test his grappling. He, uh, O'Malley's going to try to throw some shit up. He's been working jujitsu, But as, as long as Ver uh, Marlon Vera can keep position on him and control him, he can kind of get rid of that striking power a little by little by grappling him. And then he can uh, just pressure him and probably win by decision. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be like... Marlon Vera is going to win by decision easily because O'Malley isn't a good fighter. This could definitely go O'Malley's way. He could win a decision. He could outstrike Marlon Vera. He could be a good... Uh, he could have good takedown defense. I just don't know. I don't know enough about Sean O'Malley to say that he's go confidently going to win this fight. I would be excited to see him uh, go through some ad adversity, defend some takedowns, and show everybody that he's a, he's a true beast because if you want to succeed in the Bantamweight division and you're calling out Cody Garbrandt already, you gotta beat someone like Marlon Vera, bro. And for my money, f for the knowledge that I have right now of both fighters, I think Marlon Vera will win. I could be wrong, but that's my call right now. That's the information that I have. I think he has more avenues to win. It's not gonna be an easy fight, but I think it's gonna be a good fight, a close fight, but I think Marlon Vera edges out the decision. Alright, now to the main event. Okay. So I'm probably going to talk about this one for a good amount of time. I'm going to try not to ramble, but I have a lot of opinions about this fight, and I want to get them all out there. So, first I'll just, t uh, I'll just talk about some things I wrote down about ho how both, fi both fighters should approach the fight, how I think they should approach the fight and what they should be aware of. So, for Stipe, I said, keep the fight at a distance and use boxing. Try to go to the body. Be aware Cormier will shoot consistently. Uh, keep keep your feet moving, heavy feet movement, foot movement, and don't get in that dirty boxing range. Don't get inside. Or try not to. And then for DC, I said, heavy pressure in wrestling. Don't get cocky like last fight. Use leg kicks to slow down his movement when you can. Uh, try to have good defense and head movement. N don't be still. K 
keep it keep him against the cage at least if you don't get the full takedown. And I also point out that this fight is in Las Vegas, it's not in Abu Dhabi. So they're using a smaller cage than a regular uh, pay-per-view cage. So for I don't know if people know this, but the UFC has different cages for their fight nights than they do for their pay-per-views uh, most of the time. But since we're in this COVID pandemic, whenever the UFC fights at the Apex Center in Las Vegas, they're going to use that small cage that's used for the Contender Series and fight nights. And the reason they use this small cage is to create more engagements. But for the pay-per-view, they give the fighters more room and give them a be better cage because uh, it, it, it lets them do um, what, they wa what they want more. Like they, It doesn't have to force them to fight in a smaller octagon. I think that's the point of it. And the thing with the smaller octagon is it helps a wrestler because you can constantly get single legs and the guy doesn't have a lot of room to like defend the takedown. And he's at least going to be by the cage by the time you shoot him for a single leg or a double leg. Whereas if it was a bigger cage, it's you have more room to defend the takedown. And a, a bigger cage helps the striker because he, he can move around and pick his shots and stand in, his, stand in the pocket more. Or uh, circle away from shots or whatever. So, for Stipe, uh, wh one thing he was consistent with in the second fight is he... He always was doing something. He never like tired out and just was too cocky. He was always having good boxing. Uh, he actually took DC down and he defended one takedown. He got he got taken down the first first round and got pretty beat up pretty good and lost that round easily. But then in the second round, uh, DC was kind of waving his uh, arms like in front of Stipe's face. And disregarding body shots, disregarding anything Stipe had in terms of boxing and striking, which obviously did not end up good for him in the four fourth round. But uh, the thing is, Stipe, I, th I think Daniel thought that he would just outwork Stipe the second fight, and Stipe would just wilt under the pressure. But Stipe just kept coming, and he got better as the fight gone on, got, got on. He said that he was kind of stuck in the mud, Stipe was, and he couldn't move his feet that well, and that's why he got hit so much, and that's why he got taken down. But in that third and fourth round, he was kind of getting a rhythm going, and I don't know if it was the layoff or whatever, but he got his rhythm going, he was moving his feet more, and he made the adjustment in the fourth round to throw those really, really good body shots, those left hooks to the body, and that's ultimately what won him the fight. So he basically outworked DC, which not many people can say. Nobody can really say that, other than like John Jones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say that um, he has to be aware that DC is gonna wrestle more. Res uh, DC said, "Bring your wrestling shoes on Saturday," and he's not lying. DC knows that he didn't fight that fight the best that he could have. He he did get cocky, which he which happened in the John Jones fight the second time, and DC just kind of threw away his game plan. And I think his coaches were annoyed at that. Uh, the first round, he did exactly what he, need, what, it, what he needed to do. Took him down, controlled him, and he tried for it the later rounds, I think in the third round, but he was just too tired because he kept uh, throwing shots. And he did land too, but he was getting caught as well. And he just got tired. And I don't, I don't know if it's 
just the grueling rounds that he's had before because you got to think both guys are have had a lot of miles on them but i would argue that dc has had more miles because he's had bigger fights uh they've been tougher fights and sipe has has had like uh, tough fights like junior the first time and dc the second time and getting knocked out that one time but what i i think that stipe's win was better than dc's win because although DC got a knockout in the first round, it was more of a flash knockout. And you also have to realize that a couple months before that, he was getting tagged by Francis Ngannou. So maybe he needed that rest. Because honestly, I think if you get knocked out or tagged by Francis Ngannou, you should probably take a year break, minimum. Because the way that he strikes is just different, bro. So, yeah. Pretty much with this fight, DC has to state his game plan, wrestling heavy, but he can't get tired in the later rounds because Stipe's only get gets better with every single round. And that's kind of the story of the fight. I think you should also mix up leg kicks with Stipe, but Stipe, uh, Stipe doesn't really, he's going to counter the leg kicks with strikes as well. And the thing with, Sti with Stipe is he has better takedown defense and he has better scrambles than people think. He also has good submissions defense, and Daniel isn't really known for having great submissions. Like, he has good rear naked chokes, but that's about it. So, this is going to be a really good fight. Uh, this is the biggest heavyweight fight in UFC history, by far, in my opinion. In terms of box office and money-wise, all of Brock Lesnar's fights are bigger, uh, especially like the Kane fight and the Overeem fight and the Frank Mir fight. But in terms of, like, importance, this fight will determine who's the best heavyweight fighter in UFC history. Both guys have had have have a great resume in their in their respective division. And this is this is the cream of the crop when it comes to the heavyweight division. So with that all being said, my prediction for this fight, although it's a pick 'em fight for me and either guy can win, I'm gonna go with Stipe by knockout in the fifth round. I think DC will probably win the first two rounds with wrestling and that pressure, but I think just like in the second fight, Stipe is going to make adjustments. Uh, maybe it won't be body shots like it was last fight, but he'll make the proper adjustments. He'll be the more fresher fighter in the fourth and fifth round, and I think he's going to get that knockout in the fifth round. But I'm hella excited for this fight. I can't wait. And although the rest of the card isn't crazy good, I think this fight carries it uh, plenty so I'm excited for this weekend and finally we're going to talk about some MMA news that happened this week including some fight announcements so first we're going to talk about Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley is not set but there's a 90% chance or whatever that it's going to happen in September by, by what Tyron said uh, this fight's pretty important for the division these guys were supposed to fight for the belt like two years ago or like a year and a half ago I think I don't know but they were gonna fight for the belt but I think Colby like got injured or something or he couldn't make the fight so Usman stepped in and the fight never materialized because Colby had to fight for that belt which he lost so this is kind of the two guys that lost to Usman fighting and this could if Colby wins <coughs> It'll probably lead to him, lead him to a title shot. If Tarn wins, it could, but I don't know. 
I don't know if it will because you got guys like Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns that'll probably fight for the number one contender spot. And then you got guys like Jorge Masvidal. But if Colby wins, and especially if Colby wins by dominant fashion, it'd be tough to say that Colby doesn't deserve uh, a title shot or another try at Usman because although he did get knocked out, it was a pretty entertaining fight. And both guys can definitely win. So we'll see how that fight goes. I think it's it might be a tough fight for Tyron, especially in the stage of his career, but it's going to be interesting to watch because they're both going to shit-talk each other. And maybe it'll light a fire under Tyron's ass and he'll try to knock out Colby. We'll see what happens with that. It'll be interesting to watch. It'll probably headline a UFC fight night on ESPN or whatever. So it's going to be a good free fight to watch. And then, big fight news. UFC 255 fights announced. Uh, I think that's in like September or early October. I'm not sure exactly. Could be in October. I'm not, I don't know. But the main event is Cody Garbrandt versus Davison Figueredo. They got that fight figured out. I was just talking about that, I think, last week, how that fight might happen, and they got it scheduled real quick. And then you got Valentina Shevchenko defending her flyweight belt against Jennifer Maya, which I'm also excited about because Jennifer Maya just got a really good armbar submission against Joanne Calderwood. And she's definitely the next in line to fight Valentina. And she does pose some different threats because uh, Valentina, of course, is a great striker and she's a good grappler, but it's going to be interesting to see her uh, get into some grappling ex exchanges with Jennifer Maya. Uh, although I don't think anybody's beaten Valentina anytime soon, I think this is one of her most interesting opponents and ha has one of the best shots of beating her out of that division. And the Garbrandt fight is really cool because he's stepping down in weight and it would be pretty sick if Garbrandt won and at a, such a young age becomes someone that's held two belts in different weight classes. But he's fighting a beast in Davison Figueredo who this is his division, but Cody has to drop down in weight which is never easy, especially when when you're such a small guy. We saw how that worked out for TJ Dillashaw, and it didn't work out too well. But I think Cody's smaller than TJ, so it'll be an easier cut. Um, but Davison's a very good fighter, but the thing is, it's going to be a really good striking match. Both guys are similar fighters. They're good grapplers as well, but I see this fight just being a stand-up war, and I don't see this fight going five rounds. And I can't wait to see that fight. I'm usually not excited about like lower weight class uh, main events. They don't happen that often. They're usually co-main events. But I'm glad this one got the main event spot. And it definitely deserves it. It's going to be a brawl. And it's definitely not making it past round five. And for the Shevchenko fight, uh, I can an I'll analyze both these fights when they whenever they happen. But Shevchenko is going to obviously has a striking advantage. So Maya is going to try to trip her. Try to take her down, uh, make it a dirty fight, try to get a submission on Shevchenko. So that poses a bigger threat than someone who is primarily a striker in the women's division, in my opinion. Because if, if anybody's going to beat Shevchenko, it, it'll probably be a good grappler who can uh, get her to the ground and possibly get some submissions in there. And then in other news, you got Corey Anderson moving to Bellator. Kind of shocking news and it happened in a weird time like I, I uh, Corey Anderson is like top five in the UFC division and he still had some fights on, on his contract but 
he told the UFC he isn't really about it anymore. He doesn't want to fight in the UFC. He was really shooting for that John Jones fight, but he lost to Jan Blahovic. And that one is obviously postponed for a while, so... Uh, Corey Anderson has never had a great relationship with the UFC. He felt that he should have gotten a title shot before. But the thing with Corey Anderson is... He's just a workhorse who wrestles. And, like... The UFC has never liked a guy like Corey Anderson. Like, he doesn't talk shit, he just works and he wrestles most of the time. He has knockout power but he usually wrestles. And they were they they didn't seem too like mad that he's gonna leave. Like the show goes on. But I'm surprised because the UFC light heavyweight division is the worst it's ever been. I mean, other than John Jones you got guys like Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovic who are good but it's like there's no new fresh blood that's really that good in the light heavyweight division. I mean, I guess you got Jiri Projavka or whatever his name is. Uh, you had Johnny Walker, but he's not doing too hot. And you got some other guys, but they're mostly uh, European, and they can't really shit-talk too much. They aren't great personalities, and John Jones is talking about retiring. He hasn't fought in a couple months, and they want to strip him of the belt. So the the middleweight or the light heavyweight division isn't doing too hot right now, and having Corey Anderson leave, although he wasn't everybody's favorite fighter, he was a great fighter, man. And, and Bellator is probably going to use him pretty good, so I'm happy for Corey. I hope that he gets more money from this deal. And I always hear about guys getting more money from Bellator because of the advertisements and stuff like that, but I don't know if they're getting more money or if they're getting similar money, but they just want to face lesser opponents. And I can't fault them for that, you know. I don't know how the ins and outs of the UFC is, and I don't know how it is to be a UFC fighter. So, if Corey wants to move to the Bell Bellator, that's fine. I mean, he's not the first fighter that's done that. It's been kind of an ongoing trend lately. But it does kind of make me sad when these top UFC fighters go to Bellator. I mean, the U if it would be awesome if the UFC had all the best fighters in the world. Like, it does to a certain point, but it doesn't have Gegard Musasi, it doesn't have Douglas Lima, it doesn't have Michael Chandler, it now doesn't have Corey Anderson, it doesn't have mm, Eddie Alvarez anymore, it doesn't have Demetrius Johnson anymore, it doesn't have a bunch of these guys who are great fighters, I mean, Patricio Pitbull, Ryan Bader left, you know, and it's just weird because imagine like, imagine like, like Rory McDonald leaving was like, Imagine just Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard going to China to play basketball because he gets more money. Or going to Europe to play basketball because he gets more money. Or he gets the same amount of money, but money but lesser competition. And it's like, that would suck because Damian Lillard is a great player. And y you want to see Damian Lillard play because he's one of the best basketball players in the world. So it does sadden me because... They're leaving because they're not getting enough money, and these guys are not shit fighters. They're not bad fighters. They're good. I mean, maybe they're not good enough to be UFC champion, but <laughs> only point point zero one percent of guys are. So, I don't know. I wish UFC had more fighters because you can ma make so many, so much better fight nights. And it seems at this point it's kind of a recycling of the same guys in the, in the same division fighting. And, yeah, it's different matchups, but if the UFC doesn't 
get more of these guys uh, that are really good from these other div from these other leagues and pay them a little more money. Uh, it's gonna be tough. And I know I like competition. I, I like for guys to be able to go to different MMA organizations, but it would be nice if the UFC had everybody under their umbrella, so you really know who the best fighter in the world is. Because maybe Douglas Lima is the best welterweight in the world. Maybe Patricia Pitbull would beat Volkanovski. Maybe Kyori Horiguchi would beat Davison Figueredo. I don't know. But I might never know if the UFC doesn't pay fighters more. But uh, I already talked about that last week. But I wish the best for Corey Anderson. And yeah, that's about all I got for this podcast. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. And that is all. Peace.